This is Wondering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. the store holiday foods oh you bought rollades yes we were having margaritas and (laughs) i don't know what it is about the margaritas over at agaves Agaves. (laughs) but uh, the sour sours my stomach and uh so i was sitting across from rich and he did like the total like dad because i had like mentioned (laughs) that it wasn't sitting well and i like gave the rest of my margaritas zach and i don't know maybe five minutes later rich looks over and he's like you know, there's a holiday foods right there. Like, oh, that's get, right. You can walk. You could to get Rolaids and like, whatever. What's the the fizzy stuff that you put your dentures into? Oh, 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 Alka Seltzers. <laughs> yeah, he was like, you could get those, and I was like, what do those even do? Like, I don't think I've ever taken those before. Rich, you're old. Like, well, I don't fix, know what you're saying. Will those fix me? <laughs> uh, yes. The answer is yes. Did you they, do both? I did both. I might regret that in the morning because I don't know if you're supposed to combine them. Oh um, my gosh, Rollies! That sounds like an old person. <laughs> I I felt like an old person. I was like, hey, it old... said it fixes sour stomachs. Did it say that? It said it. Yeah, it sour stom- sour stomachs. <laughs> and I was like, well, I have a literally sour is, stomach. So that is incredible because that is such an old person thing to say. Um, it was great. I felt very. Large, you know, though. old people are wise good. though, so. Sometimes. The- <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Oh, you know. We're starting off on a good good note here. This is this is great. Oh man. Golly. I had just I jelly beans and chocolate for dinner. So. What? It, it's a different world. <laughs> we'll just, it's not. Oh, my god! This is your show. You know, keep, All right. Stop, this stop is our talking. show. <laughs> this is our show. All right. Let me ask you the question that I have pre-prepared. Yeah. Okay. Uh, tell me one of, one of your pet peeves. Oh, my. Uh, when people aren't decisive. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so specifically, yeah. specifically. And this is like, and I've talked about this with my friends before. Of this being like some version of hell for me is walking up to a group where everyone wants to be together for the evening and so they all want to like go and get a meal, but no one has a preference. But everyone actually has a preference. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they don't want to voice their yes. preference because yeah. they don't want to be the guy that has the preference. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. And that makes me want to die. I yo, it's I can very see dramatic, that. But I feel like I've experienced you in that. You have definitely situation because I have. Yeah, I'm not too bad about like I, I don't know how I am actually doing that, but I don't. That doesn't bother me all that much, and I feel like I've definitely been in situations where I've been like, oh, we'll figure out, and you're like, we're doing this. <laughs> Go. Okay. Well, to be fair, in my defense. <laughs> Usually it's I wait for everyone else to express their non-committal you're desire right. you're to right. go everywhere. Else, that's, so I'm like, not necessarily fine. saying it's bad. I'm I'll just, make the decision. I've just seen you, seen you have I to totally struggle did. through. Total, totally. Oh did. my goodness. Totally good, did. Good, so. good. I would say one of my big pet peeves annoys the heck out of me is when I'm talking directly to somebody, especially if it's one-on-one, and they take out their phone and start using their phone. Yep. Happens 
there's a couple guys here, two guys in particular I can think of at seminary that do it frequently, and they're two of my good friends, and it really... Am really, I one of these? Is, really just, is, is no. this what you're saying? <laughs> and uh, like, one of them is in this room right, right now. I don't want to say who it is. But it wouldn't oh, require gosh. a mirror, does no, it? No, I don't think you would do that. I was going to say, I don't I think I do that. So. I don't think you do that. Okay. No. So, but that's one of my pet peeves. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have narrow down. Though. I think that's valid. So. Yeah. Whether you do that or not? No, that's a, that's a very pet valid pet peeve. Yeah, gosh. Oh, boy, really. Especially well, the fact that we're seminarians, it makes it yeah. even worse. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to learn how to live a good life. <laughs> that was a judgmental. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father. We're the starting off strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't even get this done. That's interesting. Oh, be my gosh. We'll see what happens. Right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Before we start, I, but I, I don't want to forget, so I have a couple shout-outs to make. No. So first of all, Kale Bombardier. Seminary and Diocese Burlington, Vermont, hey, has listened to all of our episodes. Every single episode. And he said, why haven't you given me a shout out? Lifetime said, listener. I'll do it. <laughs> exactly. And then also, Caitlin and all the students at the UVM Catholic Center. Who Caitlin and students. Caitlin and students. I don't know What's who else up? actually listens to it. Yeah, uh, she might have been inflating. She might. Well, us... I heard that there was a following at the Catholic Center. That but sounds impressive. That could be everybody. That could well, be one to, to two people. Shout out to all of them. Yeah, it doesn't take no much to, <laughs> to have a following, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It sounds way better than me and... Yeah, I listen to you. <laughs> I'll listen to it. You have a following. I'll take oh, anything. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but anyway, shout outs. Good. So then, I guess... So this is potentially... We may be done kind of suggesting thing, but I'm going to use the first fully suggested, suggested wonder... Yes. In the history of Wondering Wonders. Yes. Which came from my brother Simon, who was the last person I would expect, honestly, to ask a question. And it was kind of a joke, but it was a great question. It's the first person I would expect. (laughs) That's right, Simon. (laughs) Look at that, Simon. I don't know if he's even going to listen to this. He usually does. We'll find out. Okay. But anyways, he said... I said something about wanting suggestions. He said, you should wonder... Why seminarians love brokenness so much. Because he makes fun of me all the time. Because yep. anytime I describe a movie or a song or something as good, I'm like, oh, it so much shows the brokenness of family. So it shows like the brokenness of masculinity or femininity. Oh, this song just like shows the brokenness of her. And, and he's always like, what? Why? Mm-hmm. And then you brought up something apparently on one of our podcasts about like, I think it had something to do with priesthood. Maybe this was just me projecting a conversation we had after a podcast one time where you were like, Entirely oh, possible. people like are are willing to show us their brokenness. I'm so excited for that. No, that's something I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah you definitely said it. I just don't know whether it was in the podcast. But he said you said something about it. And I was like, that's a great question. What is it? Uh, well, so is it just seminarians that love brokenness? No, because I remember in Focus, like... Oh, true. Yeah, totally. It was definitely a Focus thing. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, which also was a thing in youth ministry. I think, honestly, 
if if we're being serious about Christianity, like uh, it's really a Christian thing. Okay, so, I like yeah. that. But so, okay, but, so let, we're just gonna get right into it because this is different. You know, we're going with a suggestion. Why do we seminarians slash Christians? Wait, did y'all have a conversation about this, no. or was it just it here's just, a question? And it was just here's a question. I said that's really good. I don't know what Simon thinks about this. Simon, <laughs> Simon, you know, call us right now if you can hear us. <laughs> Let us Even know what you think about this isn't live. I know, you know. Oh my gosh, Anyways. he's going to call me. It'd be a miracle. Um, he'd say, I don't know. <laughs> well, he's I'm, gotten better. I'm curious like about that. your thoughts after this, Simon. Okay. So, you know, let what? us know. What? Right. Um, but, anyways, why do seminarians love brokenness? Ready, go. Yes, I think we have a culture built on facades. Ah! Yes. Facades, um, as in the front of a building. The front of a building on masks. Maybe okay. that's the better okay. way to say it. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> um, that's really ironic. Um, yes, I think we have... And I mean, it's it's totally true, right? Like we have a whole culture of influencers and YouTubers and celebrities. And like we build up this image of what perfection is. And which is also very Christian, right? Like yeah. we live in ideals. Um, but I guess it's exhausting when, I mean, like, I don't think anyone actually thinks that they're perfect. Um, like deep down, I don't think anyone actually is like, no, I've, I've, I've got it figured out. And so like when, Hmm. when we, we strive for the ideal and, and I think when we meet people who, who truly think they are perfect, we think they're deluded, right? <laughs> yeah, yep, it's really obnoxious. They, they aren't. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so we like strive for perfection. And when we encounter, I don't know, people striving for perfection, but not being perfect, it makes the ideal somehow more accessible. Or at least huh. it can. Yeah. So by encountering brokenness, it makes the unbroken seem more real. That is a great way to distill that long sentence. <laughs> so, yes, that's exactly what I was saying in a much better package. Okay, okay. So. I, can, I can get behind that. I was thinking that might have something to do with it. So do you think that when it comes to, for example, your potential quote of, you know, like in the confessional, we see people's brokenness. Are you excited about that because it's authentic? Like, what excites you about people showing you their brokenness? Is it because you get to see the ideal? Um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways... Hmm, I'm trying to think of an analogy. Oh, I love analogies. Yeah, it's kind of like if... <laughs> If you just saw people walking around with like broken arms all the time <laughs> and they were like living their life as though they didn't have broken arms. And so they're like, no, my arm, like. <laughs> my uh, bones aren't like, sticking out. Yeah, it's like, you can't see my arms right now, dear listener. But like, if you're just walking around and you're like, <laughs> just oh, yeah, my arms, arms are fine. <laughs> like, these are how they're supposed to be. And like you're like, the... well, you can't reach above your head. You know, like, what are you talking about? And then they finally go into the doctor, and the doctor is like, "Well, there's your problem. Your arms are broken." Mm. He's like, "What do you mean? My arms are fine." <laughs> um, there's like this 
I guess there's this moment of, in the recognition that you're broken, there's this opportunity. There's this beautiful opportunity. I think this is where this came up before. I, I can almost remember saying this. In the brokenness, there's an opportunity for conversion. Ah. Um, yes. Because you're now vulnerable and open to change. Because I think when you recognize that you're broken, you recognize that there's a problem. And if you recognize there's a problem, hopefully there's the desire to fix the problem. Mm. Now, I think we fix it poorly often yeah, or yeah. don't fix it or yeah. hide it. Yeah. But it's in the brokenness that there's the opportunity sort of arises. Uh. So I think in the confessional, you aren't meeting it necessarily at the origin, but you're meeting it at a point where like someone's saying like, I'm broken. And there's a difference between saying I'm broken to myself and Hey, I realize I'm broken and I'm going to tell you that I'm like, I'm broken. Ooh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's a very different thing. And then the confessional, it's someone who is recognized I'm broken and they've decided that it's, they're broken enough that they need to come before God to be healed of that brokenness um, for him to actually like see it and to do something about it. And so like, how could you not be moved that someone's coming in and saying, Lord, I've recognized that I'm imperfect. And he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, like, um, you don't and, say. I, and I love you for it. And I like, and mm. to be the the minister that gets to stand in the place of Christ and say like, yes, I know, and I still love you, and mm. and actually like I I've loved you this whole time, you know, like how yeah. could you not be yeah. moved by that or excited by it or? Yeah, you know I, that. <clears throat> so I'm almost certain I know your answer, but I'll ask anyway. So when you think about doing confessions, what excites you more? Someone who comes to confession every week and has committed only venial sins, or someone who has really messed up, who hasn't been to confession in a long time, coming in, coming in and saying, I really messed up. I don't know if I'm lovable. As the priest, which would you prefer? This seems like a loaded question. But I'm going to flip it on you. Ah! I actually think they're... Both really beautiful, particularly because, yeah, I mean, like, we're encouraged to go to, to confession at least every month, but yeah. I often go more than that, yeah. right? Yeah. And I know the feeling of having to go to confession and be like, I'm so tired of going, like, why do I even <laughs> need this? Yeah. Why am I here? Like, why can't I just be perfect? Oh, gosh, and yeah. so to see the maybe the courage of someone who's struggling with habitual sin or venial sin or, you know, whatever, just like struggling and trying and still coming to confession, still coming to like the fount of mercy in the midst of like truly having to strive for maybe the desire to even go mm. or the, the fortitude to continue like that's the Christian life. 
you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, sure, like, I, I'm sure the answer you're expecting was the, well, obviously the one who hasn't been in a long time. Because, yeah. like, sh- like, sure, as the priest, like, that's exciting because you get to see sort of the, that's a place where you get to see fruit. You get to see the seed and the fruit at the mm. same time, right? Whereas the the sort of habitual confessor, I think, is like you're watering the garden and you're just kind of waiting, you know. Mm. Um, so both have their blessings, but it kind of. I love that answer. You're right, Ben. So, that was so much better than I would answer <laughs> that question. That's you're definitely right. That's good. What I was kind of getting at was just the sense that, like, uh, <laughs> when I actually. But, <laughs> But actually... But, you know, I just feel like there's so many times I've heard people, especially when you're in college ministry, heard people say, like, no, you know, I don't want to go to confession. I don't, I don't want the priest to hear this. Like, I really messed up. This isn't a normal level messed up. Like, I did bad. It's like, every time I think about... I understand that from the, the penitent con, one do, going to confession point of view. But every time I think about it from the priest's point of view... I'm like, wow, what joy to be that priest. Yeah. I'm not like thinking like, oh gosh, they really sinned. Like, oh man. With where where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Like only you can only give mercy if there is sin there. If there is fallenness. And so like the more the fallenness, the more the mercy you can give quantitatively. Not that you can really put uh quantitativeness, but well, I, I, so I guess I sort of agree with that, but the implication then is that we have to be really more bad. fallen to receive more mercy. Yeah, man, see, that's, yeah, that's I, what I, I love your answer, because you want to be doing the, going, like, every week and only having venial sins one. Like, that's what we're striving yeah. for. But really, the answer is, <clears throat> it's incredible to go to confession no matter where you're at in life, no matter what you're doing. Man. So good. But, okay, so to kind of back up to brokenness, does it only apply to confession that it excites you, the brokenness of humanity? Wow, that's a way to phrase the question. Does the, <laughs> does the brokenness, does the of, brokenness humanity of humanity excite you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess that's a hard thing because, like, the brokenness doesn't excite me. It's the... I think it's the, like... The place that someone is in when they've, when they want to do something about it, right? Because mm-hmm. like often, like I don't enjoy feeling broken. It, it sucks. Those are one of my questions. Yeah. Um, and I don't think like when, when you encounter someone else's brokenness, unless you're like encountering it because their brokenness is like actively affecting you, uh-huh. usually it's in the context of, they're like trying to share it with you and trying to figure out how to do something about it. Yeah, real vulnerability. Yeah, they're being vulnerable. Which, in that case, like, I think a lot of people attempt to be vulnerable and then they don't get the reaction that they're looking for, right? So they they open themselves up and that person either rejects them or sort of disenfranchises them or hurts them or actually makes them more broken and like how could you I don't know it's like a 
that's a that's an incredibly human moment. Yeah. And to know that as a Christian and as you know hopefully a priest of Jesus Christ that you get to be someone to hmm ideally and there's a lot of broken priests right like yeah. but that ideally you would get to image Christ saying I know and I'm okay with like I accept it like you're still yeah. my son you're still my mm. daughter um, I've seen you and I know you and I'm not going yeah. anywhere uh, to see you face to face you mm. know like that for a moment I think in that glimpse of brokenness this is this is in a mystical sense this is what I think is what's happening is that for a moment you almost get to like peek under your veil and you actually get to see God face to face just for a moment. Wait, being the one <clears throat> being vulnerable or being the priest? So as the broken, as the broken one. Yeah. I, I think it's actually mutual in some, yeah. to some degree. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, as the one who's broken and that sort of like glimpse, you're, you're, you're like lifting your veil, right? Mm. And you're showing your face and, you know, if in confession in a particular way, you're lifting that veil and you're saying like, Lord, look at my face, you know, like, mm. and in a lot of, like, in a lot of ways, in a lot of sinfulness, like, we don't look ourselves in the mirror, yeah, you know, like, absolutely. we can barely look at ourselves, yeah. much less have someone else look, mm. look at us. But in the confessional, there's this, like, there's a lifting of our veils and you have this glimpse of God looking back at you face to face. Yeah. Um, yeah, and in that we find our true dignity of yeah, like, yeah. I see my brokenness, but I don't even look it in the face. God looks my brokenness in the face. Now I can look my whole self in the face. The thing is like, it takes away the sense of you are your brokenness. Yeah. Where God's like, no, you're you. You are my child who I love. And you're, you're, more you're, than, broken. Yeah, you're more than your yeah. brokenness. Right? But I love one thing you kind of said. Well, one of the things that captivates me about brokenness and, and just like everything as a seminarian, but really as just a Christian in person, is you said that's such a human moment to like be vulnerable. Yeah. That's incredible that that's human. Like that's a part of humanity now. After the fall, brokenness has become human. Yeah. To be broken is to be human, which is also crazy because we're always trying to hide our brokenness, like you said. And it's like, yeah, but this is a part of who we are. So what do you think about the... I'm sorry, I'm, did no, I cut you no, off? No, no, I want... That's a perfect time. What do you in? think about the idea of brokenness being essentially grounded in re relationality? I think, well... Yes, I think that there is definitely a sense of re relationality and brokenness. Almost, in a sense, it almost is like a puzzle of like our broken pieces fit together now that we're all broken. Whereas if some of us were perfect, some of us were broken, like they wouldn't necessarily go together. 
Hmm. But it's in our brokenness. It's it's in the jagged edges of the puzzle piece that the real uh, like intimacy happens, where you really know someone. Like uh, there's a song by a guy. I don't remember who it is, but he says. He talks about how he doesn't want small talk. He says, show me where it hurts. And it's like, yeah, because that's to truly know the person. Yeah. And, you know, like I definitely have had experiences of knowing people and being annoyed by things that they do, which are later I'm able to see side effects of their brokenness, not the brokenness itself, but just little ways that it's showing. And then like them being vulnerable and really revealing that brokenness. And... Like, there's no longer, like, oh, I'm still annoyed by that. It's like, oh, I see you now. And and I love you because now I know you're broken. It's a peek under the veil. It's it a really peek is. under the veil, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. But I love that that's part of humanity now. And I think the absolute proof for that is uh, Jesus' sanctified brokenness. Like, if you look at the the suffering service servant, like, a lot of it is describing, like, brokenness. That Jesus will be broken. Now, it's different, in a sense, than a lot of our brokenness. But, Jesus suffered and was bloodied and broken and died. And it is through that mm-hmm. that it led to the resurrection and so that's why I think that what you said is beautiful of just like as a confessor or just really as anybody, when people show you their brokenness, it shows a sense of conversion and of change. It's the same as like Jesus showed his brokenness. And what did that lead to? That led to the resurrection. Like Jesus yeah. has sanctified that process of breaking and then redemption. Because how can you be more broken than being dead? How can there be a place more so hopeless than the tomb? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, how can there be a place more hopeless than the tomb? Mm. Yeah. And Christ just faced it down, went into the tomb, and said, this is where resurrection comes out of. You have to go into the tomb, and then you rise. Christ yeah. didn't just rise on the cross, as Dr. Lemno was saying the other day, but like, he was dead, and then he rose. So, all right. I'm going I'm to make a claim. I like the sound wanna, of that. I want to know what you think about it. Mm-hmm. I think brokenness is an... an hmm. I think I... Maybe viewing brokenness as a human thing or even maybe having a theology of brokenness or hmm. I think brokenness and Christianity are intimately tied together in a way that no other religion or really ideology or thought, I don't know, whatever philosophical system Christianity and brokenness are intimately tied together and integrated in a way that no other thing on earth does. Mm. What do you think about that? At first thought, I think that's definitely right. 
I don't know if we if I really like thought about it if uh, if that would be true. But as far as I can tell, I mean, it's like it's a theology of suffering. No one else has a sufficient theology yeah. of yeah, suffering, yeah. and so I think it goes the same of like, which just so much goes to show the greatness of God. And I think in a lot of ways, the way that God is misunderstood is like God wants your perfection, you know. Like, God wants you to be a saint, so therefore God only wants what's good. But with the theology of brokenness that we have that says, no, God wants you, and you are broken. God became man and took on your brokenness, not because he only wanted the good parts, but because he wanted to know you with no mask, authentically the way that you are with all of your brokenness, not in spite of it. Yeah. Not ignoring it, but with all of your brokenness and in redeeming that. Uh I think that that if you don't understand that then you don't understand completely the love of God. If you think that he just wants your perfection, like no. It's like I love I feel like we've talked about this before. There's some part of the Bible somewhere uh that's not it's like Samuel somewhere. or Chronicles. Yeah. And it's talking about King David mm-hmm. and it says something like with with everything he did he praised the Lord mm-hmm. and this is after you know King David has died which at first you're like okay yeah yeah the man after God's own heart even the fact that we call him the man after God's own yeah. heart David sinned big time yep Solomon sinned big time too why is Solomon not the man after God's own heart because David gave his sin to the Lord he did not hold back his sin. He did not live in spite of his sin. He acknowledged his sin. He said, God, I'm a broken, sinful man, and you have still chosen me. Yeah, it's, What now? <laughs> that'd be one of those like classic uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson, who I listen to a lot, uh, <laughs> often looks at like these stories in the Gospels or like in, the, in Genesis or whatever, and, uh, and sees these like, examples of the people that are held up as sort of the ideal in the Mm -hmm, Bible. mm -hmm. And so you have someone like David and then you have the whole Bathsheba story and you're like, why wouldn't like so many people, this story has passed through so many hands. Like if religion is supposed to be this or Christianity is supposed to be this like opiate of the masses, you know, like why wouldn't someone have just like taken that out? Yeah. Like why wasn't that taken out? 500 years ago or a thousand years ago. Why is it? Which I think is a fascinating line of thought. Um, On the other hand, (laughs) back to what you were saying before, it reminds me of Peter Kraft. And I sent a podcast to you. I don't know. It was like three or four Oh, the one on suffering? Yes, on suffering. That was good. And so to answer your question, Simon, because this is Ah. your question, I think yes. Eastern religion seems to say that suffering is bad. Suffering exists. Suffering is bad. And the only way to get rid of suffering is to not care about it, is to not care about anything, right? You have to, like, transcend your suffering. And when you get into this state of not caring, you've... You're good. You're good. You've reached nirvana, right? You can't be suffering because... Because you can't suffer. And then, like, no Western secularism or scientism or atheism, 
uh, says, well, suffering, well, nothing matters, you mm-hmm. know, so suffering doesn't matter. It's just sort of, it's, maybe it's a situational thing or it's just a firing of chemicals or it's, you know, whatever sort of explanation for why you suffer. Mm. But ultimately, it has no meaning, right? And Christianity is this sort of, as always always is, is this, it's the both and, right? Like, not only does your suffering have meaning, and not only does it exist, but it's so, like, important. (laughs) Like, it's, it's what makes you... You, it's what makes like your journey to Christ like yours. I don't like it, it, it has a whole meaning that is totally transformed in Christianity. And so, like, why do seminarians talk about suffering? I, I think it's for the reason that, like, any Christian should be praying with suffering, right? Yeah, it's the gospel. It's like, the gospel. It's Jesus came gospel. and suffered and redeemed suffering. He redeemed everything, including suffering. You know what? There's two things that kind of fascinate me that I want to sure. ask. First of all, does this only apply to humans, the brokenness being like a beautiful, good thing? Does this only apply to humanity? What do you mean? Like, would you say brokenness is beautiful in a person? In a person? I mean, I think it, I think it can be. I don't think it's inherently beautiful. Okay. okay, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah. Does that same thing apply to, like, inanimate objects? Do inanimate objects suffer? Can, can bro- well, okay, so suffering it might be the link, but like, can brokenness be beautiful outside of suffering, outside of humanity? I mean, I think it can be, provided you have. Like, I think the only way you can see it as beautiful is from a perspective that's not like the current moment. Like it's in the it's in the perspective of hope, or it's in the perspective it's in God's perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I think when we find broken things beautiful, it's always in the context of uh, the hope for its perfection, or in contrast to what it could be. I and, like that in yeah. contrast to so. what it could be. Yeah, that's kind of like almost like there's two ways of knowing beauty in something beautiful and in something terribly ugly. Like you know it by its lack there. Yeah, it's like it's it's like negative space in a painting or like yeah. I don't know, natural disasters to some degree are like they're terrifying. And in another way, they're beautiful. It kind of depends on your yeah. perspective. Like yeah, you know, you're from Alabama. You get hurricanes yeah, and tornadoes. tornadoes all the time. It's <laughs> um, like you, you want to talk about something that'll make you feel small. A giant wind comb <laughs> that comes and like busts down houses and trees and tosses them everywhere, and it's like, yeah, you thought you had life figured out, <laughs> <laughs> or you had a plan, and it's gotcha. like not anymore. Gotcha. Um, That's true. And I think in a Christian perspective, you can look at an you can look at that in a way that says that's beautiful, but in a like dreadful beauty, 
And that's a that's a weird combination mm. of words. Yeah, dreadful beauty. Um, it reminds me of the fr- like holy dread. Like how how do those words fit yeah, together? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, fear of the Lord, like fear and love. Like you're supposed to love God and yeah. fear Him. Like mm. how do those work? Mm. There's a lot of tensions there, and There's I and definitely I think a lot there. A lot of that comes through perspective, and I think I think hope really is what shapes that. Um, yeah, I think hope is really what shapes that. Mm. But I like that. That kind of actually gets to the other thing I was wondering. You said it a little bit at the beginning of like, is there a point where the brokenness is too far, where it's no longer something that we can look at and be like, oh, wow, like look at the potential. This is good. Like, Can you be too broken people-wise now? Back to that. I think people can think themselves too broken. I think people often think themselves too broken, right? Like, isn't that exactly how we justify our brokenness? Hmm. You know, like, I'm, I'm already so broken, I'm not worth fixing. So why not, I, why not just keep Stay being broken? broken. Uh. Um, is that the actual reality? No. But I know that's, I, I justify that to myself, you know, I know that's often how people justify staying broken is by saying, well, I'm already, I'm already broken. Yeah. Why yep. fix me? Used or I'll be, goods. I'll be fixed and then I'll just break again. Hmm. And Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's Good. a hard. Yeah. 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 It's not, there's this easy. Uh, and I think that's honestly, knowing Simon, I think that's one of the things that brought it up. Like, you know, he's a very deep thinker. And just the fact that, like, Way to be but Simon. brokenness, you know, sucks. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Like, why why do you like it? But even, because even if you can get good out of it, like, why can't you enjoy it, something that sucks so much? It's not, I mean, same as, like, suffering. Let me tell you what, I've had to realize in the last couple of years... When I was in college, I was like, oh, redemptive suffering. Like, so good. Suffering so good. Joyful suffering. So ready to suffer. So, so ready to suffer. And then in my life, I've, like, finally started to experience suffering. And I'm like, wow, suffering hurts. It yeah. really is suffering. And, I mean, there's almost a beauty in that of just, like, that, you know, God's there in that. It doesn't need to be this joyful, like... I'm so happy all the time because I'm suffering. We're not, you know, some of the saints were like that, but most of us aren't going to be. But the fact that we can sit there and say, this sucks, and this is saving the world. Wow. Okay. It doesn't need to feel good to save the world. Yeah, I was, I don't know who I was listening to. I know we have to wrap this up. but (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was it was this idea of like how do we how can we say that um salvation is sort of this like or that sin sort of affects everyone and whoever was speaking I don't I don't remember who was speaking but was comparing it to a factory that pollutes 
Mm-hmm. Like if a if a factory just is sort of like pumping out pollution, like a coal power plant or whatever is just like pumping out their pollution. They don't have any filters. It's just like whatever going into the air. Um, that one thing isn't just affecting like the local area. That's the entire world's environment, like the ecosystem yeah. that's affected. And so the question then is like, how is it that Catholics can say, redemptive or suffering can be redemptive or that like one man's sin can affect the whole community. Yeah. It's in the same way that, and, and this is like truly mysterious um, to some degree, to some degree it's mysterious. And another way you can sort of, you can sort of see the, maybe the threads that tie that. Um, but that one man's sin could, you know, sort of have the domino effect of causing another to sin or a situation mm. that's, and and that sort of brings down the whole community. And in another way, one man's holiness raises it up. Raises it up. And I think in the perspective of brokenness being the opportunity to raise the community up and for a person to sort of be in the at the decision point of do I do I allow myself to sort of be raised beyond mm. this um, or not? That's a, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah. I, yeah. When you said that, it made me think like brokenness is this incredible point where there's no way for us to get around the edge of ourselves. Ooh, we can go no yeah. further. Yep. And therefore, the only thing left is nothingness or God. Mm. Like that is yes. Yeah. I really like that. Me too. That just came to me. Holy Spirit as we're here. Well, uh, (laughs) uh, I uh, I guess that's good. Yeah. Uh, contemplate this week. Pray with really. Don't just, you know, contemplate, think about in your head. Pray with your brokenness and the fact that God loves you in your brokenness. Mm. Um really let God into the tough spots. Because there's the edge of yourself, and uh, the only thing left is nothingness or God. Yes. Thank you for the question, Simon. Quality yes. question. Great question. If you would like to uh, submit your own question for us to wonder or slash wander about, feel Please. free to email us. That's questions at wonderingwanders.org. Is that or you really? can uh, text us. <laughs> yeah. We have questions at wondering what, like, like, do you Google questions at wondering what? No, 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 you email it. We have an email address. Hey, we hey, have an email address. Hey, look yeah, at this, yeah. folks. 21 episodes. I didn't even know we had an oh, email. I mentioned it before. You have, you have. I, have. I didn't understand also, this it, is I guess. 22. Oh, lordy, here we go. All righty. Well, have a good night, folks, and may all of your wonders be blessed. God bless. <laughs>